John chapter 14, verses 16 and verse 17, we have talked uh, at length about the Spirit of God within us. And in John 14 and verse 16, 17, this is right before the Lord Jesus was going to be leaving. And he was there to bring a word of encouragement to his disciples who really had walked with him, listened to his messages, ate with him, ministered with him, and served the master. This was a very, very close bunch of men. And they loved Jesus. And when Jesus talked about going away, you know, oftentimes they would seem puzzled and they weren't quite sure what to think of it. And here's what Jesus said. He said, I'm going to pray the Father and he will give you another comforter. Now, the Greek word for another is A-L-L-E-N, meaning another of the same kind. Not another of a different kind. But another of the same kind, the comforter, their parakletos, the Holy Spirit. Notice with me in verse 17. And he says, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he shall be where? He shall be in you. Now notice verse 18. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. He said, but I will come unto you. I love that, don't you? So in the Amplified in verse 16, he says, I'm going to ask the Father and he'll give you another comforter. And then he defines what a comforter is. He says, if you need counsel, he'll be your counselor. If you need help, he'll be your helper. If you need some prayer or someone to stand in the gap, he'll be your intercessor. If you need an attorney, you need a lawyer, he'll be your advocate. If you're weak, he'll strengthen you with might by the Spirit. And if you need someone to stand by you, he'll be your standby. Now that's good news. And so that is the role of the Holy Spirit, to bring, give aid, to give assistance. Amen. He is, he is if you would employed to help you and to help me. Now, we covered a lot of these in the teachings, but there's one area that I want to make sure that I cover, one aspect of the comforter's ministry. Now, notice with me this definition. Comforter. Comforter is one who soothes, one who gives aid, one who comes alongside to encourage, One comes alongside to help us. One who is called that when we're down to lift us up. You know, Barnabas in the Bible was called the son of consolation. And consolation means comforter. It is a real ministry of the Holy Spirit to have the ability to encourage and to minister to people when they're down. And that's what the Holy Spirit does with us. And that's what He does for us. You know, many times we experience difficulties. We experience obstacles on the path of life. When we're on our way, praise God, to our place called there. Uh, While we're on our way to our purchased uh, possession and so forth. There are a lot of things that try to bring us down. 
Sometimes it's a death of a loved one. It could be the death of a vision. And those things, what they can do into a person's life, if they're not careful, it can bring grief. Okay? Have you ever seen a person that is grief-stricken? A person that is grief-stricken is someone, if you will, is just sort of paralyzed, down, discouraged, and depressed. But the Holy Spirit comes along with His comfort to give aid and assistance, to soothe, to console, and to lift that person. Amen? Amen? Now, look with me in 2 Corinthians, I believe it is, chapter 1, verse 3. 2 Corinthians, chapter 1. And and notice here in verse 3. Praise the Lord. So he soothes, he consoles, he reassures, he brings cheer to. He supports us. He encourages us. When we're afflicted, He is our relief in that time. He brings solace. He brings a state of ease and satisfaction. Amen. Amen. Now notice with me, it says, Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and He is the God of all comfort. In verse 4, Who comforts us in all of our tribulation. Now, tribulation is another word for testings and trials and difficult times. And so the God of all comfort, by the person of the Holy Spirit, comforts us in the midst of tribulation. Remember, Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have some tribulation. In the world, there's going to be some testings. In the world, there are going to be some trials. But he says, but be of good cheer. Why, Jesus? Because I have overcome the world, and not only have I overcome the world, but I sent the Spirit of God to live on the inside of you to bring cheer and solace and joy into your life. Amen. Who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able now to comfort them which are in any trouble. This is a very needed ministry in the church. You see, when we've been comforted, we should reciprocate. We should then look for someone to be a blessing to. Now, when I talk about comforting others, that does not mean getting down in the mully grubs with them. That does not mean joining in with a violin into the pity party. But that means Be an authentic brother or sister in the Lord just sometimes to be with people that are going through situations. You see, sometimes it's not so much what you say as it is your presence that you're there with them. Amen? And so he says that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the same comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Now, it's very difficult to minister comfort unless we have the comforter working in our lives. Amen? And so I just want to encourage you. You know, God may anoint you and give you a word in season to a person. It may be a word of encouragement. 
It might be even a Pentecostal handshake, if you will, if you know they're going through a a difficult financial problem. You know, it might be a dollar, it might be $5 or $20, whatever the Lord leads you to do. How many of you know that can minister to comfort to people? Amen. Amen. And you know, it's very rude, I guess, a way I could say it. It's very rude to come on the scene with a brashness and a rule and a rudeness in the guise of boldness toward a person, especially when they have uh, been in a situation where they've lost a relative or they've lost a loved one. How many of you know that's not the time to answer all the questions and to come at the Bible answer man and say, well, this is why they died and, you know, this is what was going on. No, what people need is the love of God. People need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And you who are filled with the Holy Spirit, man, out of your belly flows rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Rivers of love. Rivers of joy. Rivers of encouragement. See, the more charged up you are with the Holy Spirit, and the more you function in the comfort of God, and not falling apart in your own life, The more stable you are, the more able you'll be to be a vessel of comfort to other people. Amen? Amen. How is that? Is that all right for you tonight? All right. So I think if we just acted on that, that truth alone would be more than enough. We could just stop the service right now and pray for one another and go out and be a blessing. Amen? Amen? But we're not done yet. Now, another function. Turn me to John 16. And I know we're a little bit all over the place tonight, but that's okay. We're just kind of tying up some loose ends. Turn me to John 16. And uh, let's notice something about what the Bible says about the Spirit of God. John 16, verse 13, in the Amplified Version. The Amplified Version. And, and we're going to now embark on to kind of a, a, another series here on Wednesday night learning how to follow the leadings of the Holy Spirit. Follow the leadings of the... It brings me great comfort in my life to know that I've got someone out ahead of me. That I've got something on the inside of me that knows my future better than I know my past. It gives me me great comfort to know that He knows the truth for my life. Now notice this in the Amplified. I love how it breaks it down. He says, but when He, the Spirit of truth... The truth-giving spirit. What will the truth do? The truth will make you free, right? When he comes, and he has come, he will guide you into all the truth. That's good, because there are questions that arise in our minds. There are decisions that need to be made in life. And so he will guide us in not just a portion of the truth for our lives, but the entire truth. The whole truth. The full truth. Now why is this? Because he will not speak his own message or on his own authority. So we know that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. And who does he always point to? He always glorifies the Lord. Amen? It says he doesn't speak his own message or on his own authority. But he will tell you whatever he hears from the Father. Amen. He will give the message that has been given to him. And I love this. He will announce and declare to you the things that are to come 
that will happen when? In the future. Now notice with me in verse 14 in the Amplified Version. See, I'm in faith for this. How about you? I'm in faith to hear from heaven. Even in the minute details of life. I have discovered that I can't live this life without His help. So I'm leaning on His help. Notice with me in verse 14. He said, He will honor and glorify me. He always brings glory. He always brings honor to the Lord. Because He will take of, receive, draw upon what is mine. Read the rest with me if you would please. And will reveal declare, disclose, and transmit it to you. Praise the Lord. He's running in the Spirit. Come on, somebody run with him. That's all right. Man, he's excited. Glory to God, Pastor Tom. That's your grandson running in the Holy Ghost. And Nancy's running in the Spirit. Wasn't that awesome? Man, that just makes me happy. You know, God loves kids. God blesses simple, childlike faith. Would to God that more adults would run in church. (laughs) Glory to God. (laughs) Yeah, that's what we needed tonight. That was awesome. Thank you, Lord. He did want to sing. He wanted to do something. I know one thing for sure. He was happy. (laughs) Happy is the people who God is the Lord. Happy is the people who are in such a case. Amen. Think about that. Demas Shikarian, uh, the founder of the Full Gospel Businessmen, wrote a book many, many years ago. and, And really, that's... One of the ways that I got started in ministry before I preached in churches, I preached at a lot of full gospel businessmen, fellowship internationals, given my testimony. I'm indebted to the full gospel businessmen fellowship. When I was a baby Christian, they were my church because there weren't churches like this when I was growing up spiritually. So they took me under their wing. But Demas wrote a book called The Happiest People on Earth. And you know who he was talking about? He was talking about us Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled, tongue-talking, divine-healing, Bible-wagging, devil-casting-out Christians. We are the happiest people. The most blessed people on the earth. Because we are not confined to this world system. We are not confined by circumstances to determine what kind of day we're going to have. We carry our own weather on the inside. We got the Son of Righteousness on the inside. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's pull that up there again, that last verse. That was a Holy Ghost interruption. We like those. (laughs) He's going to glorify me. He's going to honor me. Because he's going to take of, receive, draw upon what is mine. And will reveal, declare, disclose, and transmit it unto you. God has faith in you. Now, we talk about us having faith in God. God has faith in us. He believes that we can pick up on what the Spirit is saying to us. He's confident. I like this in Philippians 1, 6. He who began a good work in you. Amen. Being confident of this one thing. That he who started a great work in your life. 
He's going to perform it. He's going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And part of his completion uh, uh, project is sending the Holy Spirit to help us. Amen? Amen. Now, turn me over to Romans chapter 8. And here's where we're going to, we're going to get into some things on uh, Wednesday nights um, about the leadership of the third person of the Godhead. In Romans chapter 8, I believe that we need to find the will of God, follow the will of God, and fulfill the will of God. Find it, follow it, and then fulfill it. In Romans 8 verse uh, 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Helper, by the Comforter, by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Truth, they are the sons of God. Okay? The word sons there, it means mature. So, mature sons, mature daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. Children of God should expect to be led by the Spirit of God. Verse 15, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, thank God, but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Daddy, Daddy. Verse 16, read it with me. The Spirit Himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. What this is saying, the self-same Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. I want to talk just for a little while tonight about how then that we can learn to identify this witness of the Spirit. Everyone say the witness witness. of the Spirit. Again, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. Did you know that the answer to a million and one questions in this life are, be led by the Spirit? Be led by the Spirit of God. Don't be pressured by people. Don't be led by your head. Don't be emotionally led. Feelings led. Circumstantially led externally led, but be led by the Spirit within His Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay, now notice. The answer to a million question, million and one question is to be led by the Spirit. And I'm sure of this one thing, that the Spirit of God is able to help some more than He is others. Now why is that? Because some people pay more attention to Him than others do. Is that right? Jerry Savelle years ago did a series on Holy Ghost. He said that the word ghost is an old English term. He was reading a book for Holy Guest. Think about it. He's your Holy Guest who lives on the inside. It's true. Some are more yielded to him because they learn to check up on the inside. They learn to listen to him and to follow him. Let me give you three R's that will help every one of us to be led by the Spirit of God. Number one, respect the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Amen? Have a reverential fear of the Lord. Number two, learn to recognize Him. Learn to recognize Him. And then number three, respond to Him. Yield to Him. He gives you a prompting in your spirit Step out and yield to Him. Now, how many of you know that takes some faith? 
It takes confidence. It takes faith. So respect him, recognize him, and respond to him. In the area of respecting him or reverencing him, we are um, encouraged. That's not the word I'm looking for. But we are instructed to not smother or to quench him. In fact, 1 Thessalonians, he says, quench not the Spirit of God. Don't quench him. To quench means to, to, to smother him or to avoid him. Um, to walk away from him. So we're, if we're going to respect him, we can't smother him. We need to allow him full sway and 100%, amen, we should be yielding to him. Amen. Now let's take a look at this witness. Turn with me to Second Corinthians 13 verse 1. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 1. I believe that I'm looking at a bunch of folks tonight that are spirit led. Amen? I believe I'm looking at a bunch of people tonight that are spirit-led. Not head-led. Say it with me. I'm always in the right place at the right time. Think about that. What if you said that and really believed that every day of your life? Do you suppose that would give the Lord something to work with, to see to it that you're always in the right place at the right time? Here's another thing that should be coming out of our mouths continuously. I always do the right thing. Have we ever done the wrong thing? Yes and amen. But we're not living in the past. We're living in a present tense reality that our confidence is in Him that He will make sure that we make the right choices and that we do the right thing. See, as human beings, we have choices. But there's a good choice many times, but then there's the God choice, the God choice, the right thing to do. So say it with me, I will always do the right things. I will always make the right choices and I'll go in the right direction. Now look at this witness here. Second Corinthians 13, one says, this is the third time I'm coming to you. In the mouth of how many witnesses? In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every what? Word be established. I I like this. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. In other words, it'll be something firm that you can stand on. Amen? Amen? Now let's just take healing for example. And I'm going to ask you to participate in this with me tonight. Is not that scripture true where healing is concerned? Now, we do not know that healing is God's will just because we saw it in one verse. And by the way, you can see healing from Genesis to the book of Revelation. But let's just pick out a few. Because if we can find a few, the Bible says it will be established. Amen? Now notice. In Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 through 5, says this, Surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Does that sound like healing? 
F.F. Bosworth said it this way, Jesus Christ went to the cross, spirit, soul, and body to redeem mankind, spirit, soul, and body. But that's not the only place healing is found in the Word of God. Who can give me a second witness? Matthew 8, 17. Okay, Matthew 8, 17. Matthew 8, 17 says this, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and did what? And bear our sicknesses. That's the second witness. Can anyone give me a third witness? Bertha, what is it? First Peter 2.24. You got it there? Yeah. All right, let's read it. Okay. Who has ourself bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin, dead to sin might live unto righteousness. By his stripes we are healed. By his stripes we are what? Okay, who's got another witness? James 5.16 says what? The prayer of faith shall save the sick. So we see this over and over again in the Word of God. And so in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word concerning that area is established. So we don't build a Bible doctrine on a half of a verse. That's why he said in 2 Timothy 2.15, to study to show yourself approved unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. So everything that we believe, we must examine that in light of the word, not in light of the traditions of men. And as much as you love your grandma, not in the light of what grandma taught. Amen. Unless grandma taught what's in line with the word. It's like someone said years ago, oh, Grandma taught it and I bought it. Well, make sure that you're buying and you're, you're, you're buying into the Word. Amen? Amen? Now, this also, this same principle, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word or let every leading be established. It also applies to being spirit-led. Romans 8.16, pull that up there again. Romans 8.16 says, the Spirit Himself beareth witness with what? The Spirit Himself beareth witness with our spirit. The Spirit Himself beareth witness with our spirit. Do you see that there's two witnesses there? Witness number one is the Spirit of God, right? Witness number two is your own spirit. Or we could say it this way, your own spirit and the Spirit of God. So there is a co-witness, if you will, taking place. A co means another. Amen? Amen. You cannot have a co with just one. And so in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Amen? Now let's say Brother Tony stands up and says, You know, Pastor Mark, I've got something real strong in my heart that we need to do with our evangelism team. And then I stand up and say, yeah, you know what, Tony? I've been having the same thing for a couple of months. Well, that's two of us. So that's a confirmation. That's a leading, if you will, of the Spirit. Okay? Now, let's say Chris and Brother Johnny are on the street. They're over by Chabot and they're walking down the street. They're getting ready to go to lunch and All of a sudden, a car accident takes place, okay? Someone comes up and rear-ends the front of somebody else's car, and and 
Chris and Johnny were out there at the very intersection. Well, the police come along. And they ask what happened. And Chris stands up and says, well, this is what happened. And then Johnny says, you know what? I was there too. I saw it too. It's the same thing. That's a co-witness. Okay? That is two, if you will, collaborating to give the truth of what happened in that situation. And that is what the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit does in us. He bears witness with our spirit. He's in your spirit. There's someone in you besides you. It's the Holy Spirit. Woo, glory. And sometimes, thank God, He checks us. We get all excited about something, you know, maybe haven't prayed it through. We get out way out ahead of God and the Holy Spirit checks us and says, you know, that's just not for now. Or maybe that's just not forever. There's not a co-witness. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Spirit Himself will bear witness with your spirit. Turn me to Acts chapter 5, quickly please. In Acts chapter 5, verse 29, it says, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. He said, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you, sh- whom you slew, and you hanged him on a tree. Him has God exalted him with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Read verse 32 with me. And we are his what? We are his witnesses of these things, and so also is the Holy Ghost. In other words, we're not only witnessing to it, but the Holy Ghost also is witnessing to this. Whom God has given to them that obey him. Let me ask you tonight, do you see the principle of the co-witness? Let me say it again. Our spirit has a witness, and the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. The question I have for you, can you know if he agrees with you? You can know if he bears witness with your spirit. He knows things I don't know. He knows things you don't know. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 now. And let's look at verse 9. Oh, brothers and sisters, the riches of the knowledge of him. Oh, the riches of the knowledge of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Aren't you glad he's prepared some things for you? But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. You see, religious people stop at verse 9 and say, Yes, Simon, you're not supposed to know. We're not supposed to understand the will of God. That's a bunch of Tommy rot. Because verse 10 says, but God. Now, it's true that eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of the thing, man, the things God's prepared for him. But God will reveal them to us by his Spirit. Notice, for the Spirit searcheth all things. Yes, even the deep things of God. Verse 11. Read with me, please. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him, in you, Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Read verse 12. 
Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. That we might know the will of God for our lives. That we might know who to marry, who not to marry. That we might know what to watch, what not to watch. That we may not, we might know who to hang with and who not to hang with. That we may know where to invest and where not to invest. The all-knowing one lives in you. He lives in me. I love it. Hallelujah. And so, let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. 1 John 2, verse 20. It says, but you, you have an unction. That word unction there means anointing. It also means a spirit of knowing. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Verse 27. And the anointing which you have received of Him, where does it live? It abides in you. And you need not that any man teach you. That doesn't mean you don't go to church and hear someone teach the Word of God. But what we should be when we are at church is not looking to Pastor Mark or Pastor Brenda or Pastor Tom, but looking to Him. Amen? Amen? And pray that the man of God or the woman of God is yielded to the Spirit of God so that we're going to learn then from the anointing. Amen. But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie, and even as is taught you, you shall abide in him. So then... In identifying the witness, say the witness. In identifying the witness of the Spirit, look for that knowing. Look for that knowing. Or we could say it this way, look for that unction. You know, it's, it's not really a feeling, it's more like a knowing. Sometimes knowing things by the Spirit of God will cause some feelings, Amen. But that inward witness, I like what Mark Brzee describes it as. Mark Brzee describes it as like a green light in the spirit. I mean, you just know that you know that you know to keep moving and to keep following. Dad Hagen described the inward witness as like a buzzer going, on, going off down on the inside of him. He said that when he looked at Teal Osborne's old building back there on Utica Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma... Back before he moved to Tulsa, the full gospel businessmen were trying to talk him into moving to Tulsa. He was located in Texas. T.L. Osborne had moved his building from North Utica over to the freeway, and this building was empty. It was a nice ministry building. And so Lee Eller took him over there, one of the heads of the full gospel businessmen, man that had been on his board for years, said, Brother Hagen, I want you to go over here. I want you to look at this building. We believe you're supposed to have this building. And he said, hesitantly, well, I'll go if you insist. That's kind of how he was. So you can just kind of see him, you know, kind of walking up to the building, twiddling his thumbs. Just kind of not a care in the world. But he said when he walked into that building, he said it was like a buzzer went off on the inside of him. And the Spirit of the Lord let him know, this is your building. This is home. This is where you belong. And so... Sometimes spiritual things are kind of hard to describe naturally. It could be a velvety-like feeling in your spirit. It could be like a, a green light. I guess the best way to describe it would be, you just know it. You just know it. You're following your heart. 
Amen? Not your head. There's that unction. It's just, it just seems good. It seems right. Where does it seem good at? It seems good down in your seamer. Every one of us have a seamer on the inside of us. Oh, follow your seamer. Follow the inward witness. Follow the knowing. Now, don't put faith in hearing voices. You know, sometimes you may hear an audible voice. But nine nine times out of ten with spiritually mature Christians, he'll just lead them by the Spirit. Then inward knowing. Amen. And so the things of God, they're spiritually discerned. They're not physically discerned or emotionally discerned. Amen. So what keeps coming up in my heart tonight is it just seems good. Look at a couple examples of these in closing. Luke chapter 1. And notice with me in verse 3. Who wrote the book of Luke? Anybody know? Was it Luke? Who wrote it, Richard? I better look. I'm not sure. Let's look at the first verses. Verse 1, For as much as many as have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having perfect understanding of all things, from the very first to write unto thee in order, O most excellent Theophilus. The reason why I got tripped up here is because Theophilus is one that Luke was writing to. He was writing to everyone, but Luke is the writer. Now notice, Luke said, it just seems good to me to write this. Was he inspired? Was he led? Absolutely. Did he hear an audible voice? It doesn't say he did. Did he see an angel? Not that we know of. But it just seemed good. Where did it seem good? It seemed good in his seamer. Your spirit is your seamer. Amen? Let me quote this to you as you turn to Acts chapter 15 real quickly. Proverbs 20, 27 says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the inner man or of the belly. If that was written in today's language, it would say something like this. The spirit of man is the light bulb of the Lord, which means the Holy Spirit will shine his light and his truth down in our spirit. Amen? And the light, amen, will enlighten us And lead us, amen, in the path that God lights for our lives. But let's follow this train of thought in identifying the witness. It's just a knowing. It's just a in your seamer. Now notice in verse 20, actually verse 28 of Acts 15, excuse me. This is in the early church. It says, for it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. There it is again. There's that co-witness. Everyone say co-witness. To lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. So they were checking their seamer. And the situation was, it seemed good to us, the Holy Ghost, to not lay this great burden on you, 
that you would abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication from which you keep yourselves. You shall do well, fare ye well. So those things are not good for you. Stay away from them. So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. And Judas and Silas, everyone say Silas. Amen. You know, one preacher got all excited preaching, you know, and he said, you know, Paul and his wife Silas got thrown in jail. But the amazing thing about it, tons of people got saved. God will honor, praise the Lord. God will honor people regardless, sometimes of our ignorance. Anyway, and Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. So there was a ministry of exhortation. Perhaps a ministry of consolation taking place. And after they had tarried there a space, they were let go in peace from the brethren under the apostles. Now notice in verse 34, here's what I want you to see. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. So something on the inside of Silas must have just said, you know what, stay here. The New King James Version says, it seemed good. Okay? So Silas says, it seemed good. It pleased him to stay there. Now verse 35, and we'll pick that thought up in a moment. Paul also and Barnabas continued though in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others. And some days after Paul said to Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brothers in every city where we have preached the word of God and see how they're doing. Okay? And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought it not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. So there was something going on there. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder, one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. So we see there was a contention and there was a split, if you will. Okay? But now, remember that Silas just obeyed the Holy Spirit. And he just seemed that I should stay here. Okay? Now we find out why. Notice with me. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of of God. This is very interesting. You see, in dealing with the issues of life, in dealing with the issues of ministry, learn to follow your seamer. Notice there was this co-witness. If you want to make good, godly decisions, learn to follow the guide on the inside. Once again in verse 34, it just seemed good to Silas to remain there. He wasn't released yet. He said, I'm going to stay a while. I'm going to hang around for a while. Listen, was Silas at the right place at the right time? Hallelujah. And so we can follow that same anointing, can't we? We can follow this. You know, well, it seems good to stay or leave a day early. Or it seems good like I should wait another 15 minutes before I leave the house. Just follow that. Don't question it. You don't have to understand why. Just step out in faith and wait 15 minutes. It's not the end of the world. 
Somebody says, well, I was led by the Spirit of God not to get on that jet. Well, what happened? Nothing. Thank God for it. Now, listen, and let me bring this down to, let me just bring this home a little bit. You've got to understand that faith confessions are awesome and that it's good to speak the Word of God. But don't override the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's easy to get in pride, you know, declaring, you know, no evil befalls me, neither will any plague come nigh my dwelling. You know, no weapon formed against me will prosper. And all the time, the Lord's checking you on the inside. Don't go into that neighborhood. Don't drive home that way. Yeah, but Lord, I overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of my testimony. Yeah, it's the Word and the Spirit working together that will keep you safe in an unsafe world. Amen? And there's been times, you know... Where over the years, I'm sure, people have left their post in the local church before they should. And I'm not thinking of anybody here or anybody that has left in the past, but I'm sure, I'm sure somewhere, somehow in the United States of America, there have been people leave the churches for other reasons than being led by the Spirit. Maybe it was a job, maybe they were money led, maybe they were strife led or hurt led. But if they had just stayed in their place of grace, what happens oftentimes, promotion will take place. Amen? But promotion will never be realized if we get hasty and we move out ahead of God. Is this all right for you tonight?